0: Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. Happy New Year to everyone out there. Hopefully you had an enjoyable time. To start off the podcast right for 2019, we're going to examine the history of one of the neatest buildings in downtown Muskegon, the Union Depot. Let's start with what exactly a Union Depot is. If you search Union Depot, you will get Muskegon's Depot, but several other Union Depots throughout the United States as well. A Union Depot is a train station that is shared by several different companies or railroads to make it easier for passengers to connect to other trains. These depots were often built and paid for by the various companies whose trains would use their service. Though it seems odd competing companies would share resources and cost, in the end it generally worked out for everyone, especially the locals. The dream of a Union Depot in Muskegon began as far back as I could find as the 1880s. The original passenger depot for Muskegon was located on 3rd Street, close to Lake Michigan. This location was far from the other passenger depots of connecting trains, meaning you'd have to walk or ride several blocks to get to where your connecting train was at. Anyone who's ever tried to make a connection flight, which is all the way across the airport, has a good idea of how fun that is. The other issue was that the depot was small and run down. It was described often as a shanty or rookery in the paper. By the 1890s, more and more pressure was being added to the city and railway companies to build a Union Depot. An 1891 article from the Chronicle implored the city to make it happen, and happen soon, especially in the face of growth and revitalization happening in Muskegon at the time. Quote, we are in the midst of the season of advancement, and there is only one eyesore, and this is the miserable building used as a depot. It is the first place where the stranger alights, and as soon as he gets a squint at the depot, He naturally thinks he has made a mistake and has been landed in a hamlet instead of the thriving bustling city of muskegon these visitors to muskegon became important as muskegon besides attracting new businesses was also becoming a bit of a resort hub for those of chicago and across the midwest in the end in 1893 the chicago and west michigan railroad grand rapids and indiana railroad and the Saginaw and Muskegon Railroad agreed to create a Union Depot to service these resort passengers on their lines. The plans were drawn up by architect Sidney Osgood and published in the paper. The public liked Osgood's design and was ecstatic for its implementation. Where to build, though, was a hard question. A site on 3rd Street was initially picked out, but public outcry of its out way place and in a less desirable neighborhood ended up with this being scrapped. A financial panic in 1893 also caused the railroads to hesitate, and it seemed like a Union Depot might be out of reach again. But in 1894, the decision was made to build on 6th Street and Western under the work of a new architect named Amos Rush who took over the project. On August 8, 1895, the Depot building was complete, although the outside platforms still needed to be added. A reporter of the Chronicle got a tour of the New Depot and described it as pleasing to the eye and picturesque, with the only outside defect, artistically, being the Grand Central Tower, which appears short and cut off because of modifications that had to be made from the original plan. Which, after I've read this, I can't help but notice that indeed the tower does look a little funny and cut off and makes the building a little strange, so I'm now sure that you'll not be able to avoid seeing it as well. Really, it's the first thing I see in every picture of the Depot, so you're welcome for that. The interior of the depot was also described. I'm going to summarize it here a bit, but he said that visitors enter the stone archway and come into a waiting room with wood floors and wood paneling. Directly across from the entrance was the office, with several windows that faced towards Muskegon Lake. On the left side of the entrance was the men's smoking room and restroom, and on the right was the ladies' waiting room and restroom. Down a hall past the ladies' waiting room was the baggage room. And a fact I found fascinating was that the building was lit with gas slash electric combination lights. This was a practice of the time as the electricity wasn't always reliable, but it was cleaner and less dangerous than gas. So many started going to these dual fixtures so they could pick or choose based on availability or cost. I know if you tour the Hume House as part of the Lakeshore Museum Center, you can see those type of fixtures in that building. On the second floor up a spiral stair were small rooms for offices, storage, and living quarters for the employees of the depot. This building in total cost between fifteen dollars and $16,000, or about $475,000 today. The report summed up the new depot thusly, In contrast to the old 3rd Street Station depot, it is a paradise to a pumpkin. Which is a great new phrase that I'm going to start using in future episodes, I think. The depot quickly became a popular destination and was full of residents and tourists alike. It even hosted presidential candidate Williams Jennings Bryant, In 1896, as part of a whistle-stop tour, then in 1952, Vice Presidential Candidate Richard Nixon spoke at the depot, and finally, Presidential Candidate and Vice President Al Gore also made an appearance at the depot in 2000 to speak in front of a large crowd. Where crowds gather, though, so does crime. In the 1900s, the depot became the target for all kinds of criminal activity. First, in 1907, two criminals broke into the station and tried to break open the safe. They were stopped, though, when a staff member heard a noise and went to investigate. The safecrackers then gave up on the safe, but snatched some tickets and money from a coat hanging in the train station office. In 1916, there was a well-known pickpocket that made the depot the center of his activity, stealing almost daily from the waiting passengers. Unfortunately, he wasn't well-known enough to get caught. My favorite story, though, has to be from a crime in 1913, when state game wardens discovered 92 pounds of undersized whitefish stashed in a beer keg awaiting transit. Their destination, to a William Steff of Fremont who happened to be the mayor of Fremont and was formerly a meat dealer in Muskegon. While I couldn't find if Sniff was charged with a part of this or pleaded innocence, we can all say that something smells a little fishy about this. By 1916, the depot was having troubles and needed work, with the major complaint being the bathrooms. The Muskegon Chamber of Commerce, in response to this, wrote a resolution about the situation decrying the trash and unsanitary conditions, as well as decaying the wood and general neglect of the building. They feared, rather ironically, that as the first stop for tourists and potential residents, it made a terrible impression, which was part of the argument to build this depot in the first place. At the end of this resolution, they stated that they would contact the city health inspector to investigate their claims and close down the restrooms if warranted. This issue would be resolved and the depot got a little facelift at the time. While the rail lines owning the depot changed hands and names many times, what remained common was that the Union Depot served as a passenger hub for Muskegon up until 1971 when the last train left for Holland. By this time, cars had well and truly replaced the timetables of trains with the freedom of the roads. Freight service would continue from the depot until 1973. From 1973 until 1994, the depot was more or less vacant. In 1994, however, the Muskegon County Convention and Visitors Bureau decided to move into the building and with help from the Intermodal Surface Transportation Efficiency Act and Michigan's Coast Zone Management Program, the building was renovated for their purpose. In 2000, the building was a candidate for the National Register of Historical Places and received that designation. Today, the building still serves as a visitor center, but under the name of Visit Muskegon and is well worth a visit to discover all that you can do in Muskegon or to see this beautiful historical building up close. I'd like to thank you for listening to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center, and I hope you will tune into to our next episode, which will release on February 6, and we'll discuss a candy shop, the robbery of the Bank of England, missing gold, and a Muskegon residence tie that connects all of those together.